We're not just impacting here, but we're impacting all over the world. And so we do so in joy this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Breakfast Club. Hallelujah. That was amazing. I'm super excited this morning. And um, I'm ready to share this word that I believe is a timely word. I believe it's going to set a lot of people free this morning. Hallelujah. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2, verse 4 through 5, and just uh, keep it there. So with this, it's a PG movie. And uh, my last one was PG. The last two were rated R. And uh, I just want to make a disclaimer, especially when it does come to these movies. Um, we're not covering Passion of Christ well, we're not covering uh, courageous or covering these Christian films because Jesus didn't come to redeem Christians. He came to redeem the rated R's. He came to redeem the NC-17s, the nasty freaks, the ones no one wants to see. We aren't G-rated films. Forget it. You're not. You're not even close to PG. I'm a rated R in front of you. And my life has been a rated R. But hallelujah, Jesus uses the rated R's. He uses the NC-17s. He uses the crap no one wants to watch. And he makes it beautiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so that's what we believe here at Lake Church. Amen. Los Angeles, 1962. Our character Scotty Smalls has just moved into a new town with his mother and stepfather Bill during the summer. And due to the summer break, he's obligated to make friends. He grabs a baseball glove and follows a group of boys to an abandoned baseball diamond. He stays out in center field, but a baseball is hit towards him, but he can't catch it. He can't throw it. And he's so embarrassed that he runs home. While they're laughing at him, he, he hurries home. He locks the door, and he's playing with knickknacks and toys. And I want you to know 
that rejection will always happen before you take your position. Why is it that the ones who want to fulfill their purpose the most are the ones who are laughed at, ridiculed, put down? Scotty is sitting on the bed of rejection because what we want is a welcoming invite into our purpose, right? You want to know my first encounter with the drums? It was in front of a drum set next to a neighbor of my, a neighbor of my house. He would play the drums occasionally, and I was just staring at them in awe while they were talking. I wasn't even paying attention to what him and my big brother were saying. I was looking at the drum set, and I was imagining myself because I had seen myself playing. And I said, man, that's a pretty nice drum set. He's like, yeah, they're mine. <laughs> but we think, man, it's there. Just hop on and play. It's not that way. <laughs> you don't get to hop on the purpose just, just like that. It don't work that way. You must be rejected before you step into your purpose. Hallelujah. In Mark 3, 21, it says, when Jesus, it's, this is speaking of Jesus, when his family heard what was happening, his family, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. His own family, talking, he's out of his mind, doing these miracles and wonders, doing what he's called to do, doing the purpose that has been placed before him. He's out of his mind. Man, if you haven't heard that from your family, you ain't, a, you ain't accomplishing your purpose. It should make you look crazy because it's bigger than you. It's bigger than yourself and it's bigger than anything you could possibly do by yourself. That's what's crazy. Because they saw the humanity. They saw his mistakes. They saw his flaws growing up. They didn't see a man healing the sick. They didn't see a man walking on water. They saw his humanity, and every single one of your families are going to see the worst in you. And they'll be surprised when someone sees the good. It's just how it is. I'm sorry, my friends, but it's just how it is. John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hates you. I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, it's a good thing to be hated. If you ain't being hated by the world, you ain't doing nothing for the kingdom. We ain't here to be loved by everyone. You're not going to be accepted by this world. As long as you do what they want you to do, 
as long as you follow their course and follow the system of this world, yeah, they'll give you love. But as long as you turn on them, oh, and I'm telling you, the way Jesus lived, what we are supposed to do for him, oh, you're going to get some hate. You're going to get some hate. And it's okay to be hated. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know that doesn't, it's not the, really the sermon of today. It's like, get hated. <laughs> Everyone wants to be loved. But you have to think, the disciples, did they really think? Here's the thing. They're walking with Jesus all that time. They're seeing miracles and wonders. They're seeing all these good things. And then they're seeing him get arrested. And they're like, uh, I thought everyone loved this guy. No. <laughs> he was hated. Hallelujah. But he came, John 1.11 says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. His own did not even receive him. Go to 1 Peter 2 there. We're going to read 4 through 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want you to skip down to verse 7. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You are all stones, living stones who were rejected by men, rejected by family, rejected by everyone. And he chose you as a piece. <laughs> You're rejected for a reason. Because once you're rejected, Jesus can use you. Hallelujah. The very thing that is rejected is chosen as the cornerstone. Hallelujah. A living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, you're chosen and you're precious. Say, I'm chosen. And I'm precious. I'm rejected, but I'm chosen. I'm rejected, but I'm precious. I'm chosen and I'm precious in the eyes of God. No matter how much rejection I take. Hallelujah, you're chosen. During all of this, he finally gets the guts to ask his stepdad, Bill, to teach him how to play catch. Bill throws a curveball, hits him right in the eye. He now has a black eye, and he doesn't know how to catch, and he doesn't know how to throw. I'm here to tell you this. Don't expect the ones that are close to you to be the ones that help you fulfill what you should experience. I'm sorry to tell you, but it ain't going to be your daddy. It ain't going to be your mom. 
It's going to be the ones you expect the least to help you with your purpose. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Scotty's sitting on the porch with his busted up glove because when he caught it, it busted and hit him in the eye. And so he's sitting there rejected, alone. And I want you to know you're the real you when you're alone. When nobody's watching, when nobody's there, you don't have a mask or a facade to show. You're you when you're alone. But I love this, that Benny Rodriguez, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, he comes up to him, hands him a glove, and invites him to play ball with them. They meet outside a convenience store while the rest of the team is talking about baseball and mimicking the one and only Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. I don't know one person that doesn't know Babe Ruth. You know, back then, there'd be some where they talk about Babe Ruth. They say, the candy bar, Babe Ruth. But Babe Ruth, oh my gosh, there's no, there was no one like Babe Ruth. And they are confident in baseball because of their experience in it. They're confident because of their experience. They spit as their names are introduced by Benny Discotti. They are confident in who they are, and they're confident in what they do because of their experience in it. When Scotty Smalls ask who the great Bambino is, their mouths drop, and they say many names. You don't know the king of Crash? The Sultan of Swat? The Colossus of Clout? The Colossus of Clout? The Titan of Terror? The Great Bambino! But Scotty thinks they're talking about Bambi, the deer. And he plays it off cool to say, you know, I don't want them to know I don't know. And that's a good indicator you're stepping into your purpose because I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. That's a great place to be. <laughs> and Matthew 16, 13 through 16 says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Hallelujah. It needs to be revealed to you. You need to stop relying on flesh and blood to tell you about what God has for you. It is not for us to just get on a pulpit 
and speak to you so you can take your information down. It is for you to experience. You need to know the names. How are you going to know he's the healer until you get healed? Until you heal. Hallelujah. You have to know the names before you even name them. God revealed the name to them, and it wasn't revealed to them by flesh and blood. That is what's so beautiful. Babe Ruth was all of these things. They didn't believe Babe Ruth was even flesh and blood, and pitchers were afraid of him. Bill Werber, which was the, uh, on the New York Yankees during 1930 through 1933, and he said, I was on first base, and Ruth hit a home run, and I ran as fast as I could to make it to home. And Babe Ruth comes, pats him on the back, and says, you don't got to worry about running that fast when the babe hits it. <laughs> Just crazy, crazy. Ruth hit 714 home runs and started while, while home runs were unheard of. No one could hit the ball like him. But going back to Scotty, we've all been in the position Scotty Smalls was in. You may sound like you don't know everything, but at least you're present. At least you aren't running away from what's uncomfortable. Because many Christians, many people are stuck on that bed of rejection. And they will not come out to the uncomfortable they will not come out to the ones who are making fun of them, who do not believe in them at first, but they're saying, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but I'm doing it. Hallelujah, that's his purpose. That's his calling. It's crazy. It's something that's not comfortable. I'm with people who don't like me. I'm with people who don't see the good in me. But I'm to follow his will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Peter 2.15 says, For it is the will of God that by doing right you may silence, muzzle, gag, the culpable ignorance and irresponsible criticisms of foolish people. Does that, wait, did it say... You have the right to silence, muzzle, gag the person? No, it says the irresponsible criticisms. Hallelujah. You're in the will that's happening. Amen? So, of course, we're, we're moving on, and it'll be the, I'll play this clip shortly. But they finally head to the sandlot. Are there hot dogs around? Cold drinks. <laughs> Are there any fans? Shade? Perfect grass? It's just dirt. It's abandoned. It's forgotten. It's just 
dirt. <laughs> it's hidden. It's forgotten. It's lost. That's what the sand lot is. And people expect, you expect to walk into the big stadiums for your purpose. It starts in the sand lot, baby. It starts in the sand lot where no one goes. Not even your parents are there to cheer you on. It's just you and everyone else. That's the sand lot. So go ahead and let's play this first clip. left. I said left center. Okay, right. Here. Come on, Benny, man. He's never going to catch the ball anyway. Let's just play. What a jerk. Yeah, yeah, get two. I don't believe this. 
Torino. No. I can't. I don't know how. Thanks for taking me here. But I think I better go. You think too much. You ever have a paper out? I helped a guy once. Okay. Well, chuck it like you would throw a paper. When your arm gets here, just let go. Just let go. Steady. How do I catch it? Just stand there and stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. Amen. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 18. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 18. You're not over the body, you're a part of it. And you need to stop thinking you're the head when you're just a part of the body. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 18. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Down to verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. You're chosen and you're precious, but you're a particular member of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, continuing on, 19 through 24, this is the message translation. I love this. It says, but I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. 
For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you're a part of. <laughs> Listen to that. You're only significant because you're a part of the body of Christ. We ain't here for just one arm. We're here for the whole body. Hallelujah. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed or higher or lower or looks pretty or looks dirty. You give it dignity and honor just as it is. Without comparisons, every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. We need to stop acting like they're not, that person that we're, we're, we're seeing is not a worthy part of the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter if you want to be visible, God may want you hidden. Amen? Not everyone's supposed to be on the outside. It's a body. We got the stuff on the inside as well that people can't see. But it has to be there in order to function. You are a crucial part of the body of Christ. And when you're gone, we suffer. We have to scurry and try to make it work. Because one decides to leave, decides to quit. You are a particular member put in place by God for a reason. And I can't do what I need to do without you. Amen? Amen? Pastor Greg can't do this without you. We're the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And I love what Benny says. He says, base up, you blockheads. Base up. Stop getting so worried about what he's doing and what she's doing. Get on, your, get on your base. You are wasting time. When God has put you in a particular place, he's put you on a particular base to stay on, to stay watch under, and you ain't doing it. You're worried about the new member. You're worried about the cousin that left and went to go sin and then comes back. 
They are a part of the body, whether you want to believe it or not. Hallelujah. And we have been given specific purposes that God has willed for us to accomplish in this life. You can't expect to know it unless you experience it for yourself. Scotty did not know how to catch and he did not know how to throw until he experienced it. I know this is very elementary, but I need you to get this. You can't throw what you haven't caught. You can't. You want to tell a non-believer about something that they haven't even experienced? But you want to preach from what someone else preached, right? What someone else taught. That will only get you so far. It's not until you have experienced it, until you have lived it, that you can throw it to someone else. Amen? I'll tell you what Jesus did. Jesus made it possible for us to catch it, know it, experience it, and then teach someone else how to catch it and throw it. Hallelujah. And that's the thing is that this seems impossible, but this is really what Jesus did for us. He said, just stick your hand up in the air. I'll take care of it. You just have to be willing to raise your hand. Hallelujah. Isn't that just as easy as saying Jesus? Because that's all it requires for you to be saved. But it's crazy because people think this is way more complicated. Salvation is this. Healing is this. Deliverance is this. Hallelujah. I'm happy my God made it easy. Amen. Hallelujah. No, it is that easy. And if you are needing healing in your body today, you're needing to be saved, it is here. And all you got to do is stick your glove up. Amen. And here's the thing is that with those things, we've made it more complicated than it needs to be. We have been convinced that we don't have the salvation that's preached today. We don't have the healing we want and need because God is trying to teach me a lesson. We believe our purpose is on hold because we have believed it's over the fence. It's over the fence. What's over that fence? Anyone? The beast. The beast. At the end of that clip, right when it's cut off, you heard the beast growl. And the beast is a large, highly territorial English mastiff that is described in a legend by Squints. This is a kid-eating, giant gorilla dog thing. 
And once that ball is over the fence, it's gone. The one thing that we want to do and accomplish has been given to the beast to keep while we scramble for a new ball. One day, Benny hits the team's only baseball so hard that he knocks the cover off. And with Bill, and once it knocks the cover off, they need a new ball. So with Bill away on business, Smalls borrows the baseball in his trophy room, which has been signed by the great Bambino. Babe Ruth himself has signed this ball, but he don't even know who Babe Ruth is. He thinks it's just some chick that signed the ball. So he brings this ball. Scotty gets to hit it because he's next up. He brought the ball, so he gets to hit the ball. Scotty hits a home run, and the autographed baseball is now with the beast. (laughs) They make several attempts to retrieve the ball, but the beast destroys them all. Every attempt, every sacrifice that they do to try to retrieve what they need is a fail. Hebrews 10, if you turn to there real quick, Hebrews 10, 3 two, through 4. I got to hurry. Hebrews 10, 3 two, through 4. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. How many sacrifices were made to retrieve what was lost. I know the Holy Spirit blew my mind with this one too. (laughs) How many times did it take to be able to retrieve what is lost because they had to kill and kill and kill and kill and kill and it still wasn't enough. I want to show before this second clip, we're told because of this and all the attempts that they made to get the ball, Benny then has a dream that Babe Ruth comes to him in his room and tells him, you need to get that ball. And he says, you don't understand what's over there. It's the beast. And he's saying, I don't care. Get it. And so Benny is told by his idol, by the one he looks up to the most, the great Bambino tells him, you're going to jump that fence, you're going to grab that ball, and the rest is history. And so let's go ahead and play the second clip. Only one kid in history had ever attempted what Benny was about to he got eaten. So we were worried, real worried. Even when Benny brought out the secret weapon, shoes guaranteed to make a kid run faster and jump higher. PF Flyers. It's okay. It was my fault. 
You don't have to do this. Yeah, come on, Benny, man. You don't have to do it. Forget about it. It's like committing suicide, Benny. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it, Benny. Yeah, don't do it. It's suicide. Yeah, I do, Smalls. I have to do this. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid. And never go wrong. Woo! <laughs> 
Mark, can you put that picture up for me? Turn to 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25. We're going to wrap this up. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth, when he was, was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. It was by his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls." You see, Benny Rodriguez, he didn't have to do it, but he chose to give up his life in order to retrieve what had been stolen. The fence fell on the beast, and Scotty and Benny lift up the fence to let the beast out. The beast then licks Scotty's face and leads them to a hole completely filled with the baseballs that were once lost. See, that wall for them was separating what belonged to them. And I'm telling you, there is, there is, there is walls that have been put up by our permission. Through our permission, there have been walls that have been blocking what God has for us. Hallelujah. But Jesus, he tore down that wall. And it wasn't the wall that fell on the beast. It was the wall that fell on him. He took upon our sin. He took upon the cause of it. He took upon all of it. So that way we would be able to play forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can play forever. And what I'm saying, and what I'll leave you with this, is that for a long time, you know, before doing this, while watching this movie, uh, show that next uh, picture, Mark. I saw, saw Ham. I really love Ham in the movie. But I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit wanted, was showing myself doing this. And I don't know if you know what this is. This, this is calling your shot. That's what that means. And Babe Ruth did it. And he was so confident and so experienced that he'd get his bat. I did have a bat, and I was going to bring it, but I did not want to cause injury or <laughs> possibly it slip and break all the glass that Terry has uh, so... <laughs> lavishly blessed us with. So we're going to believe by faith that I have a bat in my hands. Amen? <laughs> the things which are unseen. No, I'm not going to. You have your bat and you call your shot. 
And I love this scene because they're all laughing at him. I want you to know that you can call your shot because Jesus already went up for bat. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm calling my shot. And I'm going to hit that sucker out of the park. I'm going to hit it as far as I can hit it. I'm going to hit it so hard I fall to the ground. I'm telling you, because of what Jesus has done, I can step up to the plate and I can call my shot. You can too. Hallelujah. We're nothing without him. You're nothing without him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is the greatest that ever was. And he's the greatest that will ever be. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. My healer, my deliverer. The name above all names. The name above all names. Hallelujah. That's my king. That's my Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to know that if you have any need, we're going to have people up here to be able to pray with you. And get what you need. That wall has been torn. That veil has been split because Jesus was your substitute. It should have been you grabbing that ball. It should have been you hopping that fence. But instead, Jesus destroyed what separated you from him. So that way you would have perfect communion, perfect relationship, and be able to experience him to the fullest. Experience him in the way that David didn't even experience and the way Joseph didn't even experience. We're talking about one sacrifice that did it all. That was all the blood that was ever needed. That was spotless. That was clean for you and I. And it is here for you today. Hallelujah. That's all I have. Thank you.